right? Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. With preseason starting this Saturday, we thought now would be a pretty good time to look at the state of DC United's roster. Uh, just take a step back and and look at it with a, a little bit of a broader lens. Joining us now to to help us out with that effort is Nate Scott. You might know him as the editor of USA Today's For the Win, and uh, he's also the host of the new podcast, The Sneak, which is a combination of true crime and sports, and you should definitely check it out. Nate, welcome to Filibuster. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we have a little tradition here. We got to ask you, what are you drinking? And as of tonight, we have to ask you why you're wearing a green shirt. Um, okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I went on that second part. You told me you were going to ask me a weird question and there it was. Um, the guys told me to lie earlier. I was drinking a stone never ending haze. I, I'm not going to lie to the dear listeners of filibuster. Um, uh, I, was it brewed in Richmond or was it brewed on the West Coast? It was brewed in Richmond. It was the Stone yeah. Haze IPA, which is a 4% beer that doesn't taste like a 4% beer, which is all it, I'm a new dad. That's all we're looking for here, you know, just uh, for sure. some we can drink six of and still wake three, up. In the three fourths of the people on the show are dads. There we go. Uh, or three fourths that know of being dads. And. Oh, Jason, um, are you putting Jason, sure. on blast? <laughs> Jason on the spot there? Hey, I don't know. Jason's had some wild nights. Anyway, um, <laughs> that, that's not that's not that might be what, um, a long night. Is might might be what we were talking about before we brought you on. <laughs> um, and I will continue to not lie to the listeners. I'm not wearing a green shirt. I'm wearing a blue shirt. Also, three quarters of the people on the podcast right now wearing <laughs> yeah, a green shirt. That's a weird. Thing. It is. It is. But now this we're is why we're it. talking about it. <laughs> fascinating we, we, thing. I don't think I own a green shirt. You can have one of Ben's. He is a lot. Yeah, as I said earlier, uh, like the plurality of the t-shirts I own are green. So if I, I, I'll just send you one. It's good. Fascinating. <laughs> Before we get too deep into <laughs> the green shirts. You brought this up. Uh, this is just whatever you. Whatever is Adam, called this and, I, and I'm pulling up, Ben. <laughs> I'm not gonna not gonna crash on this hill, as verdant as it may be. Um, DC United's roster. We're gonna go through in this segment 
position by position. And uh, we'll start as ever at the back. And Ben, you had thoughts on goalkeepers that I interrupted you You on during the last segment. So I will now yield the floor to you to go on to your heart's content about DC United's goalkeeping situation. So my main point was DC United drafted two goalkeepers, which from the outset is weird because they have Bill Hamid and Bill Hamid is awesome, obviously. And I don't think any of these goalkeepers are going to replace Bill Hamid. That's insane. Um, But I think it might be a slight show towards the future of what DC United might be thinking in two different levels. On the one hand, uh, the six foot nine goalkeeper, Le, Lefebvre. Uh, Good attempt. Yeah, I, I don't speak French. It's fine. Um, Nobody does. It's a pretend language. Yeah, exactly. Um, too, many, too many consonants in that name. Yeah, yeah. Lefebvre. There's I'll a straight V. That. Come on. Um, but he is apparently uh, good with his feet. So my what, my first theory is that um, DC United is getting goalkeepers for Loudoun United who play a different style than the goalkeepers they have for DC United so that they can start to instill a new playing style at Loudoun United that can carry through to whenever uh, – Bill Hamid retires in uh, hopefully 15 years, maybe. That'd be, that'd I was going to say, I was going to say 300, but I mean, that's also probably great. more realistic. That's also great. And then my other theory is, um, they're just going to start bringing in goalkeepers. Like uh, again, like these are not the goalkeepers that are going to replace Bill Hamid, but they've just like Bill Hamid turns 30 this year, which in soccer is not old, which in life is not old. Uh, All of the regular presenters on this podcast are far older than 30 years old. Uh, So that, that is nothing, but they've got to start looking towards the future. They got a scare last year when, or, what two years ago now when Bill Hamid was gone and life sucked and they've got to start trying to develop a replacement for Bill Hamid. And it's not going to be this year, but, and it may not be these people, but they've got to start finding, start preparing for life after Bill Hamid. And they may go through a lot of goalkeepers before that happens, but they've got to start trying to figure it out because Bill Hamid won't be here forever. He may be here for 300 years and I hope he's here for 300 years, but they've got to start preparing for life after Bill Hamid. And that starts now. Uh, to take a step back, Bill Hamid obviously is the starter for, for this coming for the year. next 300 years and, and the following three centuries, of course, yeah. Chris Seitz is second on the list. Earl Edwards Jr. is is currently the third goalkeeper. He spent most of last year with Loudon. Presumably, both Simon Lefab and uh, Andrew Verdi will be spending most of their time with Loudon, assuming they both get signed, which is obviously not a guarantee. Um, my my thought was just that they're they're getting goalkeepers to to push for time at Loudon and make sure that they they have competition not just at the first team level but also. In Loudon. I mean, yeah, that. No, go ahead, Nate. Well, I, I, I'm curious what you're saying about the passing out of the back because I mean, Bill Hamid is a wonderful goalkeeper, but if there's one thing he's not, 
great at, it's playing the ball out of the back with his feet. That's just never been one of his strengths. That's according to people across the pond, why he struggled to, to catch on in Europe. Um, my question, and here I am coming on your podcast and posing questions, is if you're preparing for a world in which uh, they are playing a new style where the goalkeepers are expected to play out of the back with their feet, um, are you preparing for a world where Ben Olsen is no longer the coach of DC United? I mean, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, it, well, it's interesting because um, in talking to um, Ryan Martin from Loudon. Um, I think the idea that they had at least last year was there is a certain more aspirational style of play that Loudon's players are being instructed on, which is why a lot of their games ended up being these like wild five, four games um, because they were really going for it. And if they gave up goals, they just didn't seem to care that much. I mean, they, they want to not give up goals, but they're not that worried about it. Um and I think the idea was if we teach them on this style of play and they go up to DC United, that will be the, the idea is to try and play a more proactive style. Uh, the issue has been that when they've tried to do that, sometimes it works for a little while, but then the season to send, tends to end. And then the next season comes around and they forget how to do it again. Um, and then you go back to the much more defensive style that, has become kind of the hallmark of the Ben Olsen era. So um, I think with someone like in this instance, Lafabe coming in playing out of the back with his feet um, is the, it, that so goes the story um, at Loudon. It'll probably be, yes, you absolutely should be playing this way. Play short. Um, we're going to build from the back and all that. Um, and then the idea is that I, I guess the idea is that if we instruct you on playing that way all the time, if you go up and the tactics happen to be a little more basic and a little more conservative, that's easier to get up to speed on than getting to speed up to speed on playing uh, the more attractive style. So that's, that's the way they seem to see the division of labor, so to speak. Um, but again, you know, once a game starts, things tend to change, especially when, you know, the season is going adrift. Uh, we've seen more than once now a shift back to a whole different style of play. And also, at that point, if things are going that way, you're also probably not going to see a lot of Loudon guys get their shot at that point. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it's easier to downshift in that situation. And we've seen Ben Olsen try to do proactive things and then fall back on the the more proactive, to put it <laughs> uh, diplomatically, solution, the back foot defending the deep block. Um but a lot of that also depends on the the center backs he has. And that's the next topic that we're going to cover. Uh, center back depth chart right now looks like Stephen Birnbaum, Frederick Briant, Donovan Pines, end of list. Um, I mentioned last segment that that's not a very deep list. It's good on starting level talent. You don't have anybody there that's just there to make weight, but um, could definitely use another body or two there. And that's where the Gaston Silva rumor comes in and uh, makes for an interesting thing, especially if DC United wants to go back to a three back, which they tried last year and had some very mixed results. Um, it worked except when it didn't uh, a lot of that, I think had to do with the midfield, but obviously the three back wasn't a, in an end all in itself. Um, Nate, Can I'm curious. Want, what do you, Oh, go you ahead. Jason. To, I was just going to say, you don't want to start a game 
with all three of your center backs on the field and nowhere to go if one of them gets hurt. Yes. Um, in, any game that requires you to massively adjust your tactics if one player goes down uh, is probably not a good game plan, Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, sorry, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> I blacked out there for a second. Um, Nate, what what are your thoughts on the center back core? Uh, I like him and it's thin. It's it's just it's it's very very thin. I, I like Pines a lot. Um, I thought Birnbaum had a great year in Briant last year. Out of nowhere, I was ready to write him off, and I thought he was going to be gone halfway through the season, and then me too. Um, ended up becoming you know I I thought one of DC United's probably most important players on that and that not lost streak they have there towards the end of the season. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't know. They, the, the, as you said perfectly, you know, you have, I think when they played the three back system, they looked interesting. I think Hines um, from a set piece perspective is really interesting. I think he is going to be a great player. Um, though one goes down and now all of a sudden you've abandoned your tactics and now you're trying to figure out what, what the heck you're going to do. And, uh, with the lack of depth at fullback, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure, um, you know, that's, that's where just, they need bodies, you know, they need, they need able bodies and I just don't see enough on the, on the roster right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they need, they need another fullback now, especially now that Jalen Robinson is gone, they need another backup fullback center back rather uh, to, to be behind those top three players. And they need at least one fullback, if not two uh, or people who can stretch between both of them. So we're looking at at least two or two or three signings that needs to happen just on the back line alone, because as it stands right now, like Nate said, if any one player goes down, they're in a world of hurt. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we've already talked about loud a little bit, but if you look at, you know, as we mentioned in the first segment, they kind of cut loose with almost, almost everyone that was there last year. Um, which means that those are guys that we, we would have heard by now if they were someone that like, Oh, well, he's not gonna be with Loudon this year, but DC is interested in, in having him in for preseason or something. That's not going to happen. Um, those guys have been let go and they're not, you're not going to see them in the organization next year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's three center backs and, and going back to, um, you know, the Tom Sohn era, even there was a problem where DC, sometimes one of the things they would do is sort of try and risk having a short roster defensively in order to have more attacking options. And it kept coming back to bite them. And so maybe it's burned into me from that era. But, um, to me, if I see a team that is, uh, you know, they only have three credible center backs on the team. That's not good. Um, that's, that's kind of alarming. Um, and you know, they've got Chris Dirk in a way on loan, but we're likely more likely than not, he's going to end up staying in Belgium or going elsewhere in Europe. Um, and in any case, Ben Olsen didn't seem interested in playing him at center back in the first place. Um, and after that, you've got, you know, Chris Odoyachim spent a season at Maryland playing center back, but it was because all the other center backs got hurt in a freakish series of injuries. Um, and that's it. Uh, 
you get into the like can Ulysses Segura play center back uh, situation. So no, um, oh, no, Leon's no longer here. So right, we got to so, have yeah. somebody who can play ten positions. I, I would anticipate the team pursuing someone. It's probably more likely to be like a USL guy um, that did well last year and is getting their shot as the fourth center back. That kind of thing, um, because I, I the Silva thing we talked about it. It's a weird rumor because of the amount of money involved. Um, but somewhere in there, you've got to add a, a center back and you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't uh, go in thinking, well, we can go, you know, uh, real, real low cost. And, and it's just a guy that's on the roster, but you know, that, that might be where they're at because they're spending a lot of money on attacking positions. At a certain point, you're going to run out of Tam and, um, transfer budget, whatever that is at this point, it, we're already in uncharted territory there. So who knows how, how much that is, but um, yeah, at a certain point you run out of options and you need somebody that can do that. That's actually why I really like the Gaston Silva rumor, because it's mm-hmm. not just backfilling that fourth spot. It's somebody who would be a presumptive starter. You're not just adding depth. You're adding depth by improving the top line and making your top line depth. And that's how you improve as a team and through acquisitions, not just getting people to to ride the bench, but getting people to push the starters and replace the starters if if that's what it comes to. Um so I, I, I I'm on board with the Silva transfer. It's probably not gonna happen because yeah, it's Adam, a transfer Adam. rumor, but can you can you can you pay for it? Can I pay for it? Yes. I mean I'm a season you, ticket holder. I've already paid for it. Make it happen. Okay. <laughs> I am an entitled season ticket holder. Uh make my demands and only my demands happen. Uh, Dave Casper and crew uh, fullback another relatively thin position. We have Joseph Mora on the left. We have uh, O'Neill Fisher and Chris Aduiachim on the right. And that is it. We saw last year what happens when Joseph Mora gets hurt and it's not good. So I think I speak for everyone when I say get a damn left back. That's another reason why I like the Silva rumor because he can play his natural position in fact is left back but he can also play center back and he's a good player and good players are good um but if that doesn't happen find another damn left back because we need one well at at both positions um you know i'd say get a right back too yeah Yeah, uh, get get a couple of fullbacks you know because we don't know if o'neill fisher could do anything yeah you know he he was out for all of last year um Chris Odoyachim had a huge fight to even get back into professional soccer at all. Um, and then he played a little bit, but then as is the case with anyone that has a long layoff like he did, you're going to have some injuries. Um, so we barely saw either of those guys for an entire year. Um, so yeah, they probably almost certainly need to go find um, another right back as well. Uh, Russell Canals might right now be the presumptive starter because there are three Jason. I hate that. I hate you. And I hate that. And I hate all of it. Can can I tell you guys a little grumbling spot, actual behind the scene? Like I actually can report sort sort of something on this. Um, A Ben Olson's habit of taking promising youngish center midfielders, Nick DeLeon being one. And and now Russell Knauss and Perry kitchen and Perry kitchen uh, is a, major grumbling point among uh, a couple former players I talked to who believe that 
Olsen was throwing away careers by forcing these guys into playing fullback. Oh, no. A former DC United player used the term throwing away the career of uh, specifically in reference to Nick DeLeon. Um, yeah. And, That's bad. Uh, ben doesn't want to keep doing that, and he doesn't want to do it to Kanaus, who's also already kind of publicly itching for a move to Europe. So, right. um, yeah, I can't say the players' names, but they... It, this is not this is not a uh, a thing that's happened once or twice, as you guys no- noted. Right, and, uh, it is not something that I believe is looked upon very fondly because you can't say no, and can I never say no? But right, right yeah, um, for guys who are trying to showcase who they are and possibly help their careers develop, to be you know stuck in a position that isn't really their position, it's not something that has been received well in the locker room. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, and, and it makes perfect sense. Like, if you're Russell Knauss, you're better as a central midfielder. You know it, and everyone else knows it. Um, you know, I was glad last year that DC was willing willing and able, and able is maybe the more important part, um, to land someone of Leo Hara's profile, a guy that was starting at Boca Juniors, and um, that's that's a big deal. It just it didn't work out. Um some of that is probably stylistically a mismatch, but also some of that is just he wasn't very fast uh, in a league where, unfortunately, running fast is still among the highest uh, qualities you can have. Um, but they're going to have to find someone, and I would hope they're looking for someone in that that class again where um, it's a TAM fullback signing, but we, we've been drilling this home for several years on this show now fullbacks are important it's not just a position where like oh we'll just find a guy and and we'll plug him in and it's fine um tam tam fullbacks are a good idea um and if you can find someone in hara's class who's just a little faster uh then you probably want to go that route but so far that's kind of a position that's been really quiet so far this offseason right and i mean uh, the last couple of people they put there are Russell Knauss are Paul Ariola, and both of them are so much better on other parts of the field. You can't keep putting them in those positions because you're going to make them mad and you're going to deny yourself them being much better at their actual positions. Yeah, the only justification really is kind of what happened to Russell Knauss. There's a logjam at his position. There's a couple of players there playing well that are established and you want to get the guy on the field. That's the only reasonable justification. I'm not saying it is a good justification. It is I, the closest yeah. thing to a good justification for yeah, putting Ariola or Knauss. No, you think there's a better one? I know you don't think there's a better justification than that you think there's no justification. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying this is the closest thing to a good justification is if you they if they are being outplayed at their natural position and you want to get them on the field, you find a way to get them on the field, especially if you have a weak spot. And the ideal is that you don't have a weak spot, that you have depth at center back, at fullback, at central midfield, so that you don't have to force players, force a square peg into a round hole. Basically, you can have plenty of room and force people to compete to get into. I'm not going to finish that analogy because that ended badly. I I did not think that out before I started speaking. Sometimes it happens. (laughs) Talked myself right into a bad place there. Central midfield is the next up on our list. Uh, Junior Moreno, Felipe Martins, Russell Knauss, 
Moses Nyman. That's the list right now. Uh, I'm excited for Nyman. I don't know how much time he'll get as a starter uh, or, or even in, in black and red with DC United, but seeing him uh, develop more at Loudon is something I'm very excited about. And then the other three are going to compete and that's good. Uh, I don't know who the starters are going to be on day one and I'm not that worried about this position. I mean, for me, I, I would just say I want to see more out of um, really out of Felipe and out of Moreno, um, because I think when we talk about this position, I've I've brought this up a few times now. I don't think the two of them are the best pairing because I think they both kind of want to do the same thing. And they're both able to not that, you know, one can stay a little high. And Felipe, once he arrived, he became the guy receiving the ball from the center backs and dropping in a little deeper. I just think that that's also where Moreno would prefer to be. Um, I think they both are better as a, pa- a partner for Russell Knauss rather than it being the two of them and Knauss being at right back or the odd man out. I want to see, and I think this team is going to be at their best if it's Knauss I- a little further up and a little given some freedom to be a ball winner and charge around, use the fact that he's um, pretty fast for a central midfielder, um, get in some tackles. Like this team is at their best when he's putting in a lot of tackles being disruptive, keeping the pace uh, pace of the game high. Um, and, you know, Moreno and Felipe are kind of, in, to my mind at least, should be battling for the one spot there. Um, I do have concerns. I, I think Felipe could end up winning that battle. I do have concerns about um, the salary cap number that comes with him because last year that was Vancouver's problem and this year it's DC's. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it's a good group of players. It's just a matter of are we going to see – the best balance of that group. I don't know yet because as of now uh, the fullback situation kind of would almost force Olsen's hand. And that's pretty bad news. We've as we just talked about. Uh, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I actually thought Knaus, which is why I was so disappointed with the move to right back was I thought, you know, playing with Rooney, I, I started seeing a side of him that I had just never seen before, which was kind of, he was willing to make those kind of marauding runs every once in a while. He was willing to attempt a line splitting pass and well, he was doing heel flicks at times. It was like, yeah. who the who the hell are you and what have you done with Russell Canals? Um, Russell's got some sauce. Like he does have a little sauce and, and he can and he can kind of make something happen and or at the very least, he'll run around and cause hell. And you know, watching the team play with with, with uh uh the two others with um Felipe and and uh Junior Moreno. You're right. It, it, it's just um, it was tidy. They didn't really lose the ball that often. They would they would keep playing in front of them. They would make the tackles, and a, a lot of passes were side to side, and kind of just waiting for someone else to make something happen. And and I, I feel like in the center midfield, you need someone who's going to force the issue. And that and that I think Knaus, you know, maybe not uh, a perfect fit for him, but it's it's a it's a role he can do and a role he can step up in. And I just hope he gets the chance to do it yeah it's weird that felipe doesn't have more of that initiative knowing he played a little further forward with montreal new york they weren't the most direct team when he was there but they they definitely wanted the ball in the other team's half all the time um so it's a little weird that he doesn't have more of that and 
in his game but at think, this point. But I think Felipe was did what he was asked to do down the down the yeah. barrel of the season. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that might be another thing that's on Olsen is he if he asks the central midfield to play more direct and take more chances, maybe they do. Um, I don't know because he's he's not well known as a possession overall kind of coach. And it, well, so. if you remember, Felipe's first game was the game against the Galaxy where he was playing on like two days notice and yeah. it was very much a like, let's keep this string as stripped down and basic as possible um, and grind out a win somehow. Um, and just that they never built it back up any all that much more complicated than that from that point. So it could be something about the role Felipe was being given was not the best um, for him. Um, and I mean, hopefully there's a, a change there that gets them the most out of him so that if it, if it is him over Moreno, then you want to see the best for, you don't want it to be a situation where one of them happens to be less below their best than the other. And that's the starter. You want it to be both of these guys are doing everything they can. And one of them happens to be doing better than the other. Um, but you know, who knows right now it's, it's a, it's kind of a weird spot where it's three good players, but for various reasons, it's, there's like a question mark, hovering near near or directly over each of them and you know hopefully that stuff resolves itself pretty quickly because it's kind of huge when dc doesn't get good performances in that spot they generally haven't been able to overcome it i mean it's hard for every team to overcome that but especially dc it seems like if you're getting a c minus in central midfield you're gonna lose the game yeah that's about right uh, moving ahead into the attacking midfield and, and the wings, uh, DC United will almost certainly have Edison Flores in, in one of those positions. Paul Ariola, Yamil Assad, uh, are, are the other two likely starters right now, barring a Brian Lozano type, uh, acquisition backing them up are Ulysses Segura, Emmanuel Boateng, both of whom could be on the move. And then I always forget about Emmanuel Boateng. <laughs> And then you have homegrown guys like Griffin Yao, uh, Kevin Paredes, uh, maybe Ted Pietro, uh potentially moving in and, and backing them up if there's a real crisis <laughs> uh, in the case of KDP. Um, Adam, you really want this like four-day temporary call-up contract to be rewarded? I really want Teddy KDP to happen. I really, <laughs> really do. You have no idea. I am invested. In we, no, Adam, we, we, we do. I am over invested in this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I may have taken out an over aggressive position anyway, sports gambling. Hooray. Um, anyway, this is a spot where DC United is actually pretty deep, even if they could use another top line type player. Nate, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I, I, I just, my fears that the, Ben falls in love with the idea that Ariola can play wing back and he goes to the three back system and Ariola. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. And it, I mean, what is Ariola good at? He is good at running off the ball and, you know, everyone went nuts with, with Rooney and Acosta when they were creating their magic. But what I don't, I think a lot of people understood was how Ariola's off ball movement freed up so much of what they were doing because he was just, he just wreaked havoc and he made defenses make have to make really hard decisions. And if he's playing at wing back, he just can't do that. And and you need him up the field. I, I can't pretend to know enough about Flores to, to know how he will complement or, or work off that, but uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, 
Ulysses Segura is such an interesting player to me in that he doesn't do anything great, but he doesn't <laughs> really do anything poorly either. It's like I would just watch him every game being like, all right, yeah, okay. Like he gets in decent positions and he can retain possession pretty well. He doesn't have elite speed, but he's not slow. Like it, it, it was like the most B plus player I've ever spent a long like I watched him for an entire season and don't think I, I gained like one thought one way or the other about it. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he moves, but I, I don't know. Ben seemed to like him as his sort of like, Ben likes Swiss Army Knives, and Segura can play like four or five positions. Oh, so yeah, like, he's such yeah. a Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, Segura is a guy, too, that in when he's having the worst game, those are the games he'll score a goal in. Yes. Like, just to make you feel extra confused. It's yes. so bizarre. Um the most angry I'm at I've ever been at Segura is immediately before he scores a ridiculous goal. So um, he's, he's always that he's always been that. And I think that's, that's just who he is at the, at the cap, at the cap point that he's at, that's kind of what you're going to get around MLS um, is a guy like that. So, you know, if you're going to move someone, especially now that he got his green card, literally today was the announcement of that. um, He's probably sticking around because, you know, Emmanuel Boateng, despite his past with the Galaxy and despite being maybe the fastest player on the roster, um, just did not make an impact for DC in 2019. It just, no. it did not happen for him at all. And there were, op- I mean, the team was crying out for someone to add something and it just did not work. Um, and it wasn't for lack of effort. It just, it seemed like this just, uh, you know, maybe he's trying to figure some things out because he's not even that old. Um, and I think the, the, the word out of the galaxy at the time was that, you know, he just needs a chain of change of scenery and a, and a coach maybe that, um, is a little more bought in on him, but he went from, from the moment he got here, it just didn't, he didn't even really get himself into the lineup very often. Um, his minutes played were, I think it was like 103 or something like that is really low. Um, did he start a game? I do not. I think there's one somewhere in there. Um, like a midweek start, uh, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, it, it did not work out for him. Um, but the problem is that that also means that there isn't much of a market for him. Um, there was at the time, uh, Dave Casper said that to me directly, um, for a thing that we did right after the transfer window that, um, he was under the impression that there were several teams pursuing Emmanuel Boateng at that time. It just, you know, in the, now they've had, some of a transfer window to address that with by going somewhere else. And then also while he was here, nothing happened. So I think he's the more likely to get traded. Um, but as far as the top line guys, I think it's a good group to, uh, for a starting lineup. Uh, Ariola Flores, Assad, that should work. Uh, I have a little bit of a worry about Assad just because his 2019 ended up being almost completely wasted. He barely played soccer uh in front of a crowd in 2019 um if you think dc united holds on to if you think dc united holds on to players too long and lets them leave for a free when they shouldn't i'd yeah. like to introduce you to vela sarsfield really took it to a new level um yeah. but yeah uh still that that that's something that a preseason should get most of the way through you know by april or may i hope that we're seeing the best version of yumi lasada again um I do have a significant concern about, I I want there to be one more guy at Assad's level in that mix. And 
I think DC is trying to make it happen. I just don't know if they're going to make it happen. Um, the fact that the follow-up with, uh, you know, Brian Lozano, Santos has been putting him in games, so I don't think that they're anticipating selling him anytime sooner or else they wouldn't be sending him out there. Um, so um, the fact that the follow-up on that has been mostly that they, they've switched their focus towards European targets and it's more at the TAM level than a designated player, you can still get an Assad quality player for TAM. It's just, you know, it's not the same as getting Lozano and Flores in the same window. Um, not that we anticipated that they would, it's even at the height of that, it was like, I don't think it's, they're not going to spend that kind of money in one window. Um, but I really want them to, (laughs) yeah, you know, that, and, and just, you know, I think they have to do something significant, maybe not designated player, designated player significant, but Tam significant. Um, because every time they've had four guys or five guys pushing for the, those three spots in the four, two, three, one, they've been good. Um, if you think back to that 2016 uh, little bit of magic in the fall, uh, DC's leading scorer that year was Lamar Nagel, who was coming off the bench for almost that entire stretch of the season. And it was because they had one more player who was effective at that time going forward, coming into games. Um, and when DC has struggled, it's been when, well, they've got like 11 guys who are good enough and everyone else is a backup. Um, and right now they're at that stage where, if Olsen turns to the bench in a game and it's Ariola, Flores, and Assad, if he turns to the bench to bring someone in, you're not getting a difference maker. You're getting fresh legs, and that's it. Let me ask you guys a question because you've seen him more than me. How far away is Griffin Yao? I would from say being, from being an impact MLS player. I would say another year. Um, mostly, I, I think if my, my thing with Yao is that he has to start picking and choosing when to dribble because it te- seems to be that's where he goes in his decision-making process to solve everything um, is he gets on the ball. He runs at his man to try and set up a shot. Um, and I think if he learns to be more selective and a little, not always, you, you don't want that individualism out of his game. That's something that we tend to do in American soccer is knock that out of people's games. So they make a lot of sideways passes forever. Um, and you don't want to knock it out too much, but you don't want the situation where, you know, if you, go through some USL random game charts and you look at their Opta data, you'll see, you know, Yao tried to dribble at his man 11 times in a game and he was successful three times, uh, which means that those other eight times went wrong and the, the attack died right there, um, which means he's probably not picking the best times to run at his man. And then he's not necessarily effective often enough at it. Um, I think hopefully this year that if, you know, if the choice were, you're losing in a game. Uh, do you bring in the fresh legs option option, or do you look at Griffin Yao as a difference maker? You're more likely to get a goal or an assist out of him. It's just also you're more likely it's, it's, he's very high risk. It's a lot of high, you know, high ceiling, low floor for him at this point. So just well, and if in, you're behind, that's, that's okay. Yeah. You roll the dice on him. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think another year of getting that decision-making process refined at Loudon is in store. But I do want a situation where if DC's missing someone for a given game, I want them to be able to turn to him with confidence rather than with like, well, you're a guy on the team. Um, so that's what I want to see. It's just that selection process needs to be refined. That's that's the main thing for me. Last spot on the roster forward, there's, there's uh, 
Kamara, Ola Kamara there, and uh, Eric Sorgo, who we talked about in the last segment, who's currently a Loudon player, will probably spend most of the year with DC United. Uh, Gelvin Rivas is uh, another rumor who who could be coming in at the forward position. But again, not a deep spot on the roster right now. Want to see somebody behind Ola um, at that spot. But Ola is definitely a perfectly cromulent, if not very good, MLS level starter. Um, I'm not going to complain about that, uh, about him leading the line, especially given his, his goals per 90 over the course of his MLS career. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts you want to get into on the forward line. Hey, Kamara. Kamara's better than Cromulent. Oh, he's um, better than Cromulent. Yeah. That was not the right word. I just I, yeah. got the word in my head and it's late and I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And that's the word that stuck in uh, my brain it, because Cromulent is a more than Cromulent word. <laughs> no, I, I have, uh, there are old Simpsons reruns playing in the background as, as I'm watching this. Um, <laughs> so it's your fault. Yeah. I'm blaming you. But, uh, no, I think I think Kamara's a threat to get to twenty goals, um, especially if Flores is as adept at playing through balls as as we hope he is. Um, but yeah, after that, Sorgo we already talked about it's kind of an unknown. Um, it's it's it would be unwise to head into the season with him as as the only backup. And we just came off of a season where DC went into the season into the year with off backup forward, and you know not necessarily one that's gonna do a bunch of goal scoring. Um, I think Quincy America did a good job at what he was there to do. It's just, you don't want that to be your only option. And that was what DC has their only option for the entire year. Um, and that's, I'll keep saying it until it, it changes, but you've got to have different kinds of forwards. You can't just say, well, all right, the first guy, our best guy didn't work. Let's send in a, a guy that's just like him, just not as good. Um, you want to have some, you know, DC doesn't really have a physical, force up front um dc doesn't now now with only kamara doesn't really have a back to goal player that can create uh like rooney did um or even in the style of rooney i guess is a better way to put it because we're not going to get a rooney level player uh to back up kamara that's not really how things work um but yeah uh, i want to see more than one option there i don't want dc to go into the season with a backup forward to ola kamara because Ola Kamara has uh, Euro uh, qualifiers. He like could be busy this summer um, if if Norway gets through their qualifier. And though at that point, you that guy has to be able to start. You have, you have to have a starting caliber option there. Maybe not Golden Boot caliber, but certainly someone that could start for uh, a mid mid level team and it not be a big deal. Um, and right now they don't have that. So until that happens, you have every reason to worry about it because. Only one guy, and it's a 20-year-old who is coming from the Estonian League. That's the the very definition of taking a flyer. So that's where we're at. And, and Segura is the other backup, obviously, for, for all positions. Yes, of course. For all, I, I should have been mentioning him at every position. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's my concern is if Sorga comes in and just looks in over his head, which might, I mean, who the hell, you know, who knows? I mean, this yeah. is a fun. Yeah. He scored a boatload of goals in Estonia, like right. so many goals in Estonia, and I have no idea what that. You know, is that like uh, USL level? Is that like the Patriot League? Like, would he be good at Bucknell? <laughs> like, we don't. We I, I don't know. I'm being mean to Estonia, but uh, and also yeah. generous to Bucknell. 
A lot of Estonian listeners. <laughs> yeah. Not I so just, many. So you're, you're choosing your, your battle. Really. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I, I'm just picturing Kamara going down and O'Neill Fisher not getting quite right. And all of a sudden I'm just living a nightmare that you live in occasionally as a DC United fan, which is <laughs> we've done this before. You we've done this way. And you guys are, you guys are, you can just, I just say those two are the, you know, those two players go down and all of a sudden things get really hairy really quickly. And well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing about DC United's roster right now is that they have a bunch of room to sign players for this roster and they need to sign all the way up to the max uh, player allotment for this roster because they've got a lot of people who could be potentially in uh, CONCACAF Nations League or uh, Copa Libertadores or a bunch of other uh, potentially even Euro uh, 2020. So if they don't fill out this roster with a bunch of players, they're going to be playing people like Ulysses Segura and Kevin Paredes and uh, a bunch of other people that most DC United fans haven't heard about in June and July this year. And if you're trying to compete for a MLS playoff spot, you've got to have starters up and down the line and you've got to win those games in the dog days of summer. And so they need to fill out this roster, which they haven't done in the past couple of years. Well, Preseason starts this weekend, so you know they've got a lot of time to fill these gaps. Hopefully, they, you know, not a lot. Finish they, this. They up. don't have a lot of time, Adam. That is incorrect. That, that was called sarcasm, Ben. You, yeah, you but guys, people don't people don't listen to sarcasm anymore, Adam. <laughs> sarcasm isn't a thing. Twenty sarcasm is dead. Guys, uh, I have, I have no faith. I have complete faith that they're going to sign six players during the NWSL draft when I am occupied <laughs> in Baltimore. That is when it will happen. It'll be like, oh, oh, he's busy. Okay, let announce all of them. Well, that's very soon. So, uh, bully for us. Yeah, <laughs> Nate, we didn't have you here just to talk about DC United. You have a a new podcast that is coming out from behind the paywall called The Sneak. It's true crime focused on the world of sports. Which, uh, I mean, as a podcast listener, everyone loves true crime. As a sports podcaster, I personally love sports. So, you have my attention. Yeah, um, the sneak. It's out Tuesday, January fourteenth, from behind the paywall, where it's been living for two months and driving me nuts. But now I get to share it with the world, which is really great. Um, uh, season one is a look at a uh, heist of uh, armed heist of four hundred thousand dollars from a Brinks truck, and then an escape in an inner tube down a river, uh, which a former uh, Division One football player committed back in two thousand eight. And uh, I spent the summer with this guy who's now out of prison and we got to uh, understand the crime better. And as he kind of opened up to us uh, the story of the crime that had been covered in ABC 2020 and and Esquire and GQ uh, was pretty much all BS. And uh, we got to learn what actually happened, including uh, a group of people who, helped him commit the crime who were never charged. And after 12 years, we went and found them. And so that was what the (laughs) second half of the podcast was, was us tracking down these uh, people 
we still live in this small town outside Seattle and uh, they were not I already have, to see us. I already have extreme anxiety about listening. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, we, most of them blew us off pretty quick or, or sent us to lawyers, but uh, we actually did not get, wanting to go to jail. Of course. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, no, they, they, the statute of limitations is passed. They were fine. Um, okay. But we did get, we did end up getting one guy to come, uh, a talk on the record and uh first time in 12 years anyone had found it so that was wow, uh that's awesome. yeah so that's the sneak it's out everywhere you get podcasts all right go download that nate uh tell us where else people can find you online if they they haven't come across your your delightful twitter feed yeah i'm on twitter at a nate scott um i am a writer for for the win and usa today sports i'm a season ticket holder the DC United in section 116. Come say hey. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download rate review wherever you get your podcast that goes equally for the sneak mostly though tell a friend about the show tell a friend about the sneak tell a friend about something to do with us um broaden their horizons on our behalf uh thank you all for listening for jason and ben and thanking nate for joining us i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason uh in honor of the sneak i'm gonna only commute by inner tube on river from now on that is a big commitment. It's going to be Very tough. Effective. I don't know. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but you know, that's, that's life. Do you even live near a river? Yes. <laughs> I got, I got step one down. I don't have an inner tube and it's, it's after 11 o'clock on a weeknight. So that's going to be tough, but you know, you work things out. <laughs>